Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm honestly surprised I didn't swear as much. <laughs> I was like worried. I was like, man, I kind of cuss like a sailor sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna clip that little bit there and put it at the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, you should. He was worried about, but worried about cursing. You eat curse. It's an it's an adult show. It's yeah. for coffee. Hey everyone, you're going to notice some new psychedelic rock music spliced into this show from today's guest, Ian Nelson of Doma Coffee. He's also a musician, and when I asked him, he said, sure, grab a song. His band is named Cadabra, and their album Ultra is out now. That is Cadabra with a K at the beginning, and you can listen to it at cadabraband.bandcamp.com. Again, that is Cadabra with a K. Stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear the full version of their song, Bean King. And I'm just speculating here, but that has to be about coffee, right? Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 5 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today, you're going to hear my chat with Ian Nelson of Doma Coffee, which is based up in Post Falls, Idaho. Post Falls is near the border with Washington and just outside the popular Lake Coeur d'Alene. The area has been growing like crazy for the better part of a decade. My wife and I even considered moving there before we ended up in San Diego. And I've actually been to the Doma Cafe. It's why I reached out when I knew the show was expanding outside of Southern California. Ian is in charge of quality control and dabbles in green coffee buying for Doma. I was excited to chat with him because he recently took and passed the Coffee Q Grader Certification from the Coffee Quality Institute, or CQI, which is a bear of a class. The CQI's self-proclaimed mission is to, quote, improve the quality of coffee and the lives of the people who produce it, end quote. They have a huge mission statement, and I'll put a bunch of info in the newsletter which you can read at roastwestcoast.com. While you're there, you might as well subscribe, so you can get this show emailed to you first every week. You can also find the link in the show notes wherever you are listening to this podcast. Ian and I are going to talk about the QGrader class, what role quality control plays when it comes to buying and roasting coffee, and how scent is so important when it comes to grading coffee. Right now, we're at that point in the episode where I ask if your coffee mug is full. I never really know if it is unless you post a photo and tag me at Roast West Coast on Instagram. Today I'm actually sampling several new-to-me coffees from Thoughts and Process Coffee based in Orange County. On deck is a medium-roast, semi-washed Brazil Espirito Santo. Thanks to Mateo Nunes for sending this down to me to try. It has tasting notes of vanilla, candied fruit, and molasses, and the smell is quite intoxicating. By now, your mug has to be full. I hope it is, because it is time for this conversation with Ian Nelson of Doma Coffee out of Post Falls, Idaho. But I I appreciate you being here. I'm on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I have to say that every time. Yeah, absolutely. If you wouldn't mind, uh, just for our for our listeners, if you could state your name, uh, where you work, and your job title, and then maybe if you were to go to another coffee shop or you know out in the world, what are you going to order for yourself? 
Okay. Well, my name is Ian Nelson. I work at Doma Coffee Roasting Company, which is located in northern Idaho, right on the border of Washington and Idaho. I am head of quality control at Doma, and I also dabble in green buying and roasting. And if I was to go to a cafe slash other roasting company and order something to drink, I would probably ask them what they have for batch brew or pour over options that they have. Yeah, I'm not a huge espresso person. I obviously have to drink it regularly uh, for my job, so I do enjoy it. But usually when I go out, I ask what they have to offer and just kind of based off of origin of the coffee or process or if it's something I haven't tasted recently, I'll shoot for that. Sure. And for anyone listening, you can't see Ian, but I can, and he's wearing a pretty sweet jean jacket, <laughs> fleece lined. I'm very jealous of it. Yeah, it's kind of cool here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doma uh, is in uh, Post Falls, Idaho, which is, uh, I have family in Post Falls. I've been to Doma. That's right. Which is pretty cool. It's a great little spot. Uh, so I'm excited to be talking to you. Let's go back in time a little bit. Did you have kind of a first experience with coffee that kind of made you think, you know what, this is interesting. This is something I I kind of like. Yeah, growing up, my parents never drank coffee. My first experience with coffee was my grandparents always had some hot, boiling, I don't know, you know, when there's coffee and it's sitting on the bottom of a Mr. Coffee, like burner, and it just <laughs> tastes burnt and gross. At the time, I didn't realize that, but that's pretty much my first experience with coffee. I'm sure it's a lot of people's first experience. But we used to put ice cream in the coffee because as a kid, you're not your first initial reaction to tasting coffee is kind of like, this is acquired taste. That would be my first coffee experience. I didn't really start focusing on it until I was fresh out of high school. And I was dating this girl who was a barista at a local cafe. So I'd spend most of my time there. And then about when I was, I think my late, uh, 1920, probably my late teens, early 20s, I started working at a local cafe that isn't around anymore because I wanted to not have to wear a uniform at work and I guess express myself while getting paid. So it wasn't even like, had nothing to do with the coffee aspect. It was just, I wanted to be myself at work and yeah. And now I'm a slave to the trade. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've kind of always been in coffee. Was there ever a time where you might've be you might be doing something else, a different time, a different uh, Ian Nelson timeline somewhere. Where could you have gone? Yeah, it's interesting. There was a period I probably worked coffee for four or five years, and there was one year I took off to work at a screen printing facility, and that's just because I was kind of getting tired of the whole barista trade and customer service aspect, so there was a year where I was doing that. I don't know what else I would, would be doing if I wasn't working in coffee. I think I'm just too far gone at this point. <laughs> I can't really... <laughs> Thinking about my life. I mean, I do graphic design stuff on the side for fun. Uh, I do it mainly for like local music acts and my own musical endeavors. Uh, and I'm 
not bad at it, but I don't know if I would pursue it as a career or not. So, sure, just an extra, a nice skill to have. Totally, yeah. Uh, comes in handy a lot, actually. I have a graphic design degree, and for a brief time, was like a full time designer. And now I find that I just use it to support my own efforts. Exactly, just save money. Yeah, yeah. Pay someone to take care of that stuff. Yep, make a logo or I want a cool sticker and I don't see it somewhere, then I can make it myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I have two kids and my kids, every time I'm doing something on Photoshop, they'll come around and be like, Dad, can you make me this T-shirt? Like, I have an idea for a T-shirt. Can you make me a T-shirt? <laughs> I was like, maybe someday. We'll see. You know, <laughs> trying to like brush them off and ignore them. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Teach them how to do it themselves. There you go. Yeah, exactly. My, my son, like he's been sitting... You know, I know this is we're getting off topic, but he's been like sitting over my shoulder asking me like, oh, what are you doing here? How do you do that? So maybe someday I'll be able to spread that talent to them. Maybe. I I mean, it's pretty amazing. I don't do graphic design for a job anymore, in part because there's no real middle class of designer anymore because there's so many options out there. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Doma in general. How did you end up there in particular? What makes Doma unique or special and you know as a craft coffee company? Yeah, okay. Well, first off, Doma's been around for 22 years. Uh, they started in the year 2000. Uh, they're owned by Terry and Rebecca Patano. The idea of Doma, as far as I know, began when they were young 20s and living in Salt Lake City. And I'm not certain why they ended up in Post Falls, Idaho, but that happened to be the location they landed on. And so that they've just been focusing on Doma ever since. Uh, We are currently growing at a quick rate. So uh, we will be building a new facility in the near future, which is is exciting. Um, I definitely hopped on at the right time. So that has been great for the company. Uh, As far as something that kind of is unique One thing I enjoy about Doma is we try to have offerings of all sorts. Like we try to have the complex, unique, interesting coffees with light roasts. We have dark roasts, like a lot of blends, blends focused towards different brewing methods. And that kind of keeps me on my toes as green buying and QC. Yeah, I'd say that's something that's exciting. Uh, the owners also really love winter sports, which kind of ties into a question I'm sure we will get to later on. <laughs> well, we can, yeah, we can, we can skip right to that. Uh, you guys have the, uh, the Pow Deep Coffee. I think that's what you were referencing there, but yeah, yeah, it was. I had sent you an email kind of about that. I'm wondering what that is and what is that correlation to the the outdoor industry. So. Uh, for those who don't know, POW is, stands for Protect Our Winters. It's a climate change advocacy group that is ran by winter sport athletes. And they do a lot of great work. And Doma as a coffee roasting company, you know, climate change affects the whole industry and process of us receiving our coffee. A lot of farmers at Origin are dealing with issues with their crop and that's actually kind of how we got tied into that was a couple years back when we were visiting guatemala it was like the first time any of us really got to see that in person 
And so when we got back, the Protector Winners crew stopped by and sparked the idea to us that um, we could kind of like collab and then we could help by uh, funding some of their things that they do. Since we kind of had the first like kind of visualization of that in Guatemala, we try to also partner with uh, one of our co-ops that we purchased from in Guatemala, Direct Trade. Uh, so we tr- always try to have the POW slash deep coffee and organic coffee from Guatemala. Very cool. Where you guys are located, Post Falls, Coeur d'Alene, I mean, you're surrounded by winter sports. Sandpoint is nearby mm-hmm. and just a, a ton of great skiing and, and Lake Coeur d'Alene for um, outdoor water activities. And so it's a cool program. I'm a snowboarder myself, so we are always paying attention to like what's happening each year with the snow. Totally. And it's gotten harder because we usually go in December over Christmas to say Colorado. Some years we have not had any snow and some years we are getting dumped on and things have gotten more extreme kind of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Now take that to a place where at origin, where they are depending on the weather to grow this crop that we are enjoying. It's definitely something that is impacting anyone involved in coffee. I want to ask you a little bit more. You mentioned earlier you work in quality control and some green buying. Mm-hmm. What does quality control entail? What does that mean? You know, what are you doing day to day? And after that, we can jump into a little bit about Q grading. And I know that's something you've been pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. Try to make this not super long story. <laughs> I got time. <laughs> when I started at Doma, I was, I guess I never got to that. So that ties in really well, actually. When I started at Doma, I worked in the production team. And the production team is who bags and ships the coffee. And I was here for probably about two to three years at that point. And I made it known that I was interested in growing in the company. There was like a part of me that the idea sparked that, okay, I'm going to do this for a career. I'd already been working in coffee, I don't know, probably eight years at that point. And I was like, well, it's pretty much all I know. I have barista experience. I have roast or yeah, roasting experience, production experience. So I mentioned that I wanted to start a training in green buying and they were having me do sample roasts for cuppings because at the time we had someone else had a QC, but QC was very casual at that point at Doma. It was more like we would get together and cup purchasing samples whenever we had time and there wasn't necessarily a department for it. And once that person left the company, it was kind of like, well, Ian's trained on sample roasting and he's been cupping with the head roaster and the QC guy. He might as well take on the mantle. And so they sent our head roaster, myself and our technician to take a sensory class with Royal Coffee. And if you if you don't know, Royal Coffee is an importing company that has been around for a very long time. We purchase a lot of our green coffee from them and we're really close with them as far as like our partnership goes. And they have an education team at Royal that they call the crown. And I always make the joke that they're the Avengers of coffee because <laughs> they have an insane education team. Everyone's really, really wise and smart and knows so much about coffee and they aren't pretentious about it, which I really appreciate. 
so we went over there and we did like a basic sensory training course with them. And at the time, and I, I don't believe it's, I don't exactly know, but Candace, Candace Madison uh, was their roasting or head of roasting instructor, I believe. I might have gotten her title wrong, but uh, she mentioned that there is this thing called the Q grading course, and it's where you get certified to grade the quality of Arabica coffee. They also have a Robusta one, but she was pushing the Arabica training course, and that's because they were offering that course at their education site. And that's the first time I heard about it. So when I got back, I kind of put these goals on myself, like, all right, I'm in this slot at Doma where I'm now the QC person. I'm going to try and make this department like a more official and formal thing. So over the last, I guess it'd be almost two years now, it seems like a lot longer because I've crammed a lot in there and probably with COVID, you know, everything time just seems really strange. I have done a few education things for myself. I have worked on my palate vocabulary and just many different sensory practices. And I always had the the Q grader course in the back of my mind, uh, but it is a little spendy to participate in that course. And there's also a great chance that you might not actually pass and get certified. So it's kind of like a gamble if you're you know not fully confident. Yeah, the the course itself, just so people know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it like taking the Q grading course and then taking the test. It's like a week long and like sixteen. It's like sixteen tests. It's not just like one multiple choice thing that you answer you're going through a whole process of you know i think about uh taking an exam in school and i was you know you're like oh no short answer long essay it's kind of like that but for your mouth totally (laughs) yeah yeah and it's exhausting it's it's basically coffee boot camp which if you're into that it's really exciting but like there was definitely some days i know i'm jumping ahead but there are some days during the course where i was like oh man i need to like go to bed because I'm like overdone with the information right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was exciting. Anyways, I brought up to our general manager that I had been wanting to take this Q grader course and I felt like it was the next step in my career. And so I kind of like brought a proposal to him uh, how I could see it benefiting the company and through the idea out there that maybe they would fund my Q grader journey. And, uh, yeah, it went over and they sent me to Hawaii of all places, which was really exciting to take this course with Tim Hines, who now works for a company called Sukafina, but he also is the co-founder of Husky Cup, which is like a to-go cup, uh, made from coffee cherries and husks. They recycle them and make to-go cups out of them. I know they're really popular in Australia. I know a few people that have them here. I myself have one. And it was hosted at a place called Pacific Coffee Research, which is located in Kauai, Kona. Um, and it's owned by Brittany Horn and Madeline Longoria Garcia. And they are amazing people to know and work with. And uh, yeah, went there, spent a week just cramming knowledge into my head and tasting a lot of coffees. Um, once I got the go-ahead to participate in the Q-Grader course... I spent the month previous to traveling to Hawaii 
the the main there's a big portion of the Q grader course that is focused on aromas and the different types of aromas that you can find in green coffee and throughout the roasting process. And there's a kit that is certified by the SCA called Lene Du Cafe. Uh, so a big part of my pre- preparation was memorizing those scents and like making connections mentally of like what this scent is technically say it's cedar but it reminds me of my dad building a house when i was young you know the wood sawdust type smell or like there's cucumber but to me the cucumber reminds me of the i don't know stuff they clean rest area bathrooms with (laughs) i don't know like (laughs) stuff like that that's super interesting like you're kind of you're creating like a a scent and visual taste connection in your brain yeah exactly by associating it with something else feels like a sherlock holmes sort of thing which is really just kind of unique i was going to ask this earlier but i didn't want to interrupt you know obviously as you're pursuing this and you're already you've been tasting coffees and doing that over time but do you think that you need to have some natural talent in your palate um, or in your sensory abilities, or is this something you can, anyone can start and start training and eventually get there? I mean, from what I've noticed, I do this a lot with like my friends who aren't coffee people or like my past roommates is every time I brew coffee, I'll ask them what they're tasting just cause I'm curious. Cause that's what I do for a living and everyone, you know, they have their general idea of what they're tasting and they'll try to reach and put out these different, say flavor notes or how the aroma or acidities affecting them. So I think everyone does have that in them, but it does take a lot of practice and a lot of tasting. And if say someone was planning on trying to get their Q grader certification, I would probably give it at least a year before you actually try and, you know, participate in the exam. Like, and that's just like tasting daily cupping as often as you can, you know, trying to make those connections mentally to what you're smelling or tasting. But yeah, I believe anyone's capable. It's just putting the work in. I'm imagining, and this is going to age me a little bit, but that while you're training, you are blindfolded like the karate kid. Is that? (laughs) I, they sadly know. What was the actual like Hawaii experience? Like you said, you mentioned how it was exhaustive and intensive, but once you start taking those tests, does that kind of go by in like a, it feels like something where you might just feel like you blacked out for a week and at the end of it, you're either a Q grade or you're not, or like, you know, what was that experience like for you? Yeah. I mean, it definitely went by really quick. Like it kind of felt like, oh, it's already over. And the first few days you're not tasting right away. You know, the first few days is kind of like lectures, you know, discussions and, those days felt like they took a little longer and those ones they seemed the longest because we're also sitting there for the majority of it i mean i looked out and in my situation we were sitting in this roasting education space that had a window you know staring at the ocean with the sun setting so it was like (laughs) that was nice but i could see that being the part that feels like it takes the longest but once it's over it just kind of seemed like a dream, I guess. I would compare it to, say, performing. Like if you're a musician and you're performing, 
like it's like the build up to getting on stage is like all right and then you get on stage and then like however long your set is it's over like it's like you barely remember any of it sure you mentioned earlier that you have some musical uh endeavors what's your what's your music life like uh music life it is busy it is very busy i play in a band called Cadabra. It's like a heavy psychedelic rock band. And pretty much besides coffee, that's what I spend the other half of my life doing. Yeah, so really busy with that. Uh, Touring as often as we can. Dome is really kind and works with my schedule with that. And we thankfully (laughs) are signed to this record label based out of Rome, Italy called heavy psych sounds and it's a label that focuses on i guess psychedelic rock (laughs) i'm assuming you play music at the facility and there's music playing during the roasting process yeah everyone at doma well i'd say probably 80 percent of the staff at doma plays music or like musicians you might it might not seem like it in the branding but like you walk into doma and you can just look at somebody and you're like oh that guy plays music that <laughs> well, this is my challenge. If you guys haven't done this, I've challenged a few different roasters where music is integral to what they do. I want to know if you roast the same coffee beans the same way, but play different music, if the beans taste differently. Uh, that's that's... A ch- I want someone to do that and like actually test it and like say, all right, we're going to, we're going to play rage against the machine for an hour and do roasts. <laughs> And then we're going to play some Bob Marley and, you know, see what the difference is. See how it affects the the palate too. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of discussion on how playing music while you're cupping affects the experience and affects your scoring. It's always like half and half. I've had people that are like, some people are like, oh, it doesn't really affect it. Or some people are really strict and they're like, no music while I'm cupping and scoring coffees. And then there's some people who are just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> like I like listening to music when I cup um, but I feel like I can separate myself from actually like you know feeling the music like oh yeah this song rips this song is awesome and like all these coffees taste amazing you know <laughs> but, like I personally don't think it affects me but some people do. I have noise on almost all the time no matter what I'm working on and my wife is the opposite. She needs things to be quiet when she's working. And, and yeah. she'll ask me, how can you do this this other thing while you also have a show or a podcast or music on? And I don't actually hear it. It just creates this background that helps my brain focus yeah. for some reason. Absolutely. And music is that way too. But I would be curious because of the emotional impact that music has. I usually listen to podcasts when I'm working because I can just zone out and not hear anything for however long I'm working. If anyone's listening and doesn't think this has already happened, we didn't actually say it, but you you successfully passed the Q grader course. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an official Q grader. How does that change what you do, if at all? And you know, how is your you know pre Q grader experience, post Q grader experience at Doma? Has anything changed? The most important takeaway or way it's affected, say the way I cup is people. Everyone has their opinions um, and their preferences over, you know, coffee is so complex. There's so many different ways you can roast coffee, brew coffee, so many different ways you can drink coffee. And everyone enjoys it their own way. Everyone has their own preferences, what type of coffees they enjoy. And so 
beforehand, I think I would base the quality of a coffee more on my flavor preference or like say roast preference. And now it kind of allowed me to be more objective when I'm scoring coffee. That's kind of the main goal behind the Q grader certification is that we can have an industry that is as calibrated as they can be based on the objective principle or not principles, objective characteristics of coffee. So it's allowed me to be a little more fair and not decide if a coffee is good or not based on the way it tastes. So many different aspects of coffee or of a coffee's flavor profile that affects it. It's kind of wild. Like you can have a coffee that say it's a fruit bomb, high acidity, but you know, that once that aftertaste like could be really short and it could say taste like a paper bag, then like you might score the acidity high and the initial flavor slash aroma high, but the aftertaste is going to be scored low. And yeah, it's just interesting. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm going to ramble if I keep going. But yeah, <laughs> uh, this show is all about no, it's, <laughs> it's always helpful. This show is about rambling. One thing I'd like to kind of get out there is how many Q graders are in the world? Is this something that is common? Is this something like, for example, like where you're located in kind of Idaho, Washington area? Yeah. You know, is there a Q grader at every other coffee shop or is this something that's a little bit more prestigious? I think it's, at least they like to consider it to be prestigious. In my area, I'm the only Q grader in our general coffee scene, which includes Say Sandpoint has Evans Brothers, a roaster, local roasting company over there. They they do a great job. And then Spokane has like four or five roasting companies, and that's kind of our general scene. Uh, but of, out of all those roasting companies, I'm the only one that is certified Q grader, and I'm sure they all like have really great palates and cup really well. Uh, so I'm not really sure on other areas, but there is a. CQI, which stands for the Coffee Quality Institute database that you can go on and it shows you every Q grader in the world and where they're located. I'm here in San Diego area and there's only, you know, a few and we're a community of about three and a half million people in the bigger yeah. area. So, and of those, there's, you know, I think there's 20 plus roasters, you know, that I can get to here in San Diego. Totally. And I still only know of one or two locally. Maybe there's probably more than that that I just don't know, but it is something that is is a challenge and a success. So it sounds like it would impact you most as a green coffee buyer in your day to day job. I'm wondering Absolutely. if it has caused you. Well, I don't want to. I don't think it's caused you any challenges, but as a green coffee sourcer and trying to source sustainably, you're now adding another layer of of filter, you know, on the coffee is coming through Absolutely. in front of you. Do you think that is benefit? I mean, assuming it's benefited Doma, but how do you go about deciding which coffees are right for Doma and which ones aren't? Yeah, so the I wouldn't say difficult. That's not the right word to use. With green buying, there's so many factors, uh, just like with it is grading the quality of a coffee. Uh, so many factors that go into it. And with Doma, that is an established roasting company, with like two decades of being a company. Doma has their own needs and ways that they have certain like offerings like that they want it roasted certain components they need and certain qualities of each com component like say we have an organic dark roast blend and it consists of three components of either south or central american origins and say with a coffee like that 
when you roast the coffee darker, those obvious flavor characteristics in the seed kind of get roasted out the darker they go. They get that general, more dark chocolate, smoky characteristic. So coffees like that, I will go through and I will, you know, get the samples from the importer or the producing partner. And I'll still score them as if like I, I do the standard sample roast profile and I'll just score them as if I'm like would score anything else. And even if it fits like a lower score than my preferred quality, we'd still like purchase it if it fit our needs or also if it like benefits a producer. So I think that's one good example as far as like we have a limited program, which I sparked the idea to uh, the owners. I think it's been going on for four years now because when I started at Doma, we didn't really have off offerings that were, I guess, exceptional might be a word to use. And those more complex coffees were an interest of mine and I wanted to see that in the company. So say something like that. I'll just like be cupping samples that I get in. And if there's something where I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. Like we need to roast this and we need people to taste this. Then I'll just like make the call to make that our next limited edition. So that one's a little bit free range for myself. I don't know if that helped answer your question or not. It always helps. <laughs> okay. so that actually that actually gives me a, a thought. It makes me wonder. So, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Post Falls or Coeur d'Alene area. You have been around a long time. You were one of the first coffee roasters. Before craft coffee was so common, people would have been used to a certain style of coffee. Yeah. Probably, dine, you know, what you might call diner or instant coffee. So your community around you has been growing with you, I would assume. So what might be the preferred coffee in the, in the community might not necessarily be what you as a Q grader, like this is the best coffee I've ever had, right? That's exactly it. That's a struggle I have every day. <laughs> so so that sounds like with your limited program, you're balancing that with what is best for business. I mean, I, I'm a big believer oh. that the best coffee for anyone is the coffee that they like. And absolutely. For some people in my family, that's instant coffee. For me, it's something a little you know, more crafty, maybe not quite as at the level you're at even, but I can appreciate those too. So where would you say, it sounds like you've got maybe, let's call it a half a dozen plus uh, roasters in the general area. Mm-hmm. How do you see craft coffee growing in, you know, in your neck of the woods? Well, I know personally, you know, with Doma being established, we are now at kind of, I'd say, the younger generation of people running the show here at Doma. And there is a community that is definitely set in kind of those ways that you were speaking of, diner diner coffee ways. And one of our goals that we kind of just have as a company and as a community is we are trying to educate our clientele and our customers and keep them tasting new things, keep them intrigued. And that's kind of a way we're helping push that. As far as other roasters go, a lot of them are kind of focused on that more uppity third wave, I guess, style that's going on. A lot of light roast focused coffees, and they do a good job at pushing that. And I got mad respect for that. That's definitely something I wish Doma did more of. But I, again, I do agree with you like what you like and i enjoy that doma tries to give those options yeah they spread the range yeah your community has been growing exponentially over the last say five ten years as well and bringing in a lot of people from other places in the world say california for example Mm -hmm. 
I've certainly seen some uh, signage when I'm in Idaho with the outline of California X'd out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it in Washington. I've seen it in Oregon too. Yeah, totally. And I get it because I'm someone who can't necessarily afford to live in California, but I do. I, I get it on, on all sides. But I think that also brings a lot of people to, and, and with the lake, you guys are a tourist community oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. It brings people from a lot of other communities to your area to experience what you're offering and having a wide range of coffees is probably certainly beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier, and I want to make sure I don't forget to ask this, but that you are potentially building a new facility or working on a new facility. Will it be in that same location that you guys are now, or is it still in Post Falls, or where are you guys headed? It it will be in the general area. Uh, it's not going to be in the same same exact location, uh, but it will be in the same area. There was like half of our um, employees live in Spokane, Washington, and then half live in Coeur d'Alene. So we always try to keep it at least kind of in the middle because everybody has to commute to the facility. Is there anything that we didn't cover today that people should know or that you you know had thought about before we, we talked that uh, would be valuable to add? Well, since we are talking about you know quality, quality in coffee is kind of organized, say, by the CQI and SCA, and it kind of gives you this idea of what quality coffee is. Um, but I think a lot of people can get caught up in the way their coffee tastes and flavor profiles. And I think just being more aware of the work and effort that's going behind getting that coffee to us is, uh, I think it's a good thing to be aware of that and kind of think on that. Like if you're tasting a coffee that is complex and exceptional. There's a lot of work that went behind that coffee getting that way. And I'm not talking like as a roaster, I'm talking more like on the origin side of things. So I'd say if you're a coffee lover, just educate yourself on that. It's cool stuff to know. It's fun. And it's uh, very interesting. And if you ever get the time the, or the opportunity to go to an origin country, definitely do it. It's amazing. It's my favorite part of the job. <laughs> it's definitely a nice perk. Yes. <laughs> Ian, I really appreciate you spending some time with me on the show and and also just for by pursuing quality control and that certification that you have now as a Q grader. I appreciate that you care about the product you're putting out in the world and I think that's something that as a as a drinker and not a roaster, as someone who's just out here as a consumer, I I always appreciate. Yeah, definitely. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll try and send you some coffee here soon, too. I don't know if you've had, had any of our coffee, but I'll I'll like, get your address and send you the good stuff. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> I always love the good stuff. <laughs> to recap, I think not wearing a uniform at work is a big motivator for a lot of people, Ian being one of them. Even more so now that we've gone through COVID and a lot of us have been wearing sweatpants every day for several years. I'm not saying I've been wearing sweatpants every day for several years. I'm just not saying that I haven't been either. I waffle between wanting to express myself with my clothing and just going the Steve Jobs route and wearing the same thing every single day so I don't have to think about it. I will say that uniforms can provide a sense of identity with the job and inspire camaraderie with your coworkers. I see it both ways. DOMA has been around for more than two decades. That is a lot of time in a community. 
They've seen their first customers grow older, and their next generations come up. The coffees they offer today have to serve the palates of their OG customers and meet the expectations of the next-gen coffee drinkers who've never known anything but third-wave coffee. For Ian, the goal of becoming a Q grader was one that he put on himself. I checked and counted just over 500 Q graders in the United States. Compared to the estimated 611,000 baristas and coffee professionals, per the Zipia data science team, that is a pretty exclusive club to be in. Ian also mentioned the Husky Coffee Cup, which I looked up, and it's pretty cool. Husky is spelled H-U-S-K-E-E. It is a coffee cup created out of leftover coffee husks, blended with a resin. Husky is a benefit corp, or a B Corp, which I'm personally a huge fan of, and they have a program to take back any cups that may reach the end of their life, preventing them from hitting the landfill. I'll link to the Husky Coffee Cup in the newsletter. Doma's POW collaboration coffee this year was called Deep, and they donated $2 for every 12-ounce can and another $2 for every pound sold. Protect Our Winters is a political advocacy organization led by athletes and passionate outdoors persons focused on lobbying for systemic climate change action. You can learn more at protectourwinters.org. And finally, I did reach out and check in with Doma again this week. I emailed with Ian and with lab manager Katie Black, who informed me that they are dropping one of those special limited edition releases next week. It is an anaerobic processed Ecuador pinchicha from Finca Cruz Loma Farm, just north of Quito, Ecuador. Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting and I talked about anaerobic processing on a previous Coffee Smarter episode. It's one of the more recent innovations in coffee processing where the beans are subjected to an extreme, no-oxygen environment that enables the processors to exert fermentation control over the bean, allowing them to bring forward flavors and coffee characteristics that just isn't possible with other processes. I'll include more info about this coffee on RoastWestCoast.com, but be sure that you're following at Doma Coffee on Instagram so you can see when it officially drops on their website. Or just keep checking DomaCoffee.com every day. Later this week, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle Roasting will be back for his last Coffee Smarter episode for a minute to talk about cowboy coffee. And for paid subscribers to the newsletter, there's a new Bean Journal column up this week featuring Steady State Coffee Roasting. For those of you who are out there listening, thank you, you're the best. And a big thank you to Cafe La Terre, Ignite Coffee Company, Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, First Light Whiskey, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, and Maria Coffee. Please consider joining them in supporting the creation of this show by signing up for a paid subscription to this show's newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. For those of you headed out for a cup of coffee somewhere in the world this week, please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee. And without further ado, this is Kadabra with their song, Bean King.
appreciate what you had to go through to pass your your test. So I know just enough about it to know that I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's exhausting. I'm just glad it's over with. Well, I mean, you do have to recertify every three years. So uh, I like beer. Hey, everyone. If you like the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, you might also appreciate the I Like Beer, the podcast. Listening to these guys is like being a fly on the wall of the pub with a few of your favorite mates having a pint. These professional beer appreciators have plenty of stories to share on everything from the mating habits of penguins to their behind-the-scenes brewery experiences. Check out the I Like Beer, the podcast, wherever you are listening to this show about coffee, or head to ilikebeerthepodcast.com.